Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. Our great and illustrious guest today is the beautiful Edmontonian known as Laura Soracker. Thank you for joining us, Laura. Oh, you are most welcome, and thank you very much for the compliment. I appreciate that. Well, we've been friends for a while, and you know that I love you, dear. Yes, I know. I appreciate that. So you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your business, dear? Yes, absolutely. I'm the proud, I should say, startup owner, I guess it would be. There's four of us involved in a farm called Range Road Garden Farms, and we are going to be vertical hydroponic gardeners, going back to my roots and back to the farm being able to uh, promote and sell fresh from the farm an hour from our table to yours, um, all kinds of fresh greens. Oh, well, that's definitely very, very interesting. The uh, importance of having real food is so important. Oh, it is. It is. We lose so much nutritive value just in that however many days, hours, weeks, it takes to get from here to storage to the counter. Yeah, let alone comparing it to all the processed food and junk food and fast food and all of that other stuff that, unfortunately, most all of us are at least guilty of sometimes putting into our bodies. Exactly. We, if we want anything that tastes half decent, has any kind of nutritive value, we have no choice most of the year but to go straight to the freezer. Yeah. And, and well, then, it's uh, better than nothing. It's definitely not the best. Yes, absolutely. Plants have their most nutrition when they're allowed to ripen on the vine. Yes, and the the, the taste is so much different. So much, so much. You just have to sniff a couple tomatoes in the grocery aisle and then get one that you bought from the farmer's market to, to realize how clear that is. Yes, very much so. And as we were talking about the strawberries, when you get the ones that – I, I remember my, my grandmother used to have a huge raspberry patch, and we could get into there all we wanted. You could, like, literally eat for hours. It was, like, about an acre. It was huge, my favorite place to go. And then she had a small strawberry patch, and we weren't allowed in there at all. In fact, if she caught us, we got switched. <laughs> but the strawberries that you'd steal out of my grandmother's garden before she caught you, oh, the taste. They were so sweet and so delicious. And then you get the ones in the grocery stores now, and they're like brightly colored styrofoam. Mm -hmm. Well, as I was saying, the um, I have 
learned that strawberries are actually not a fruit. It's the seeds that are considered the fruit. The strawberry part that we enjoy is just the transport unit. And um, and if they're picked before they're ripe, they don't have a chance to develop any flavor. Oh, well, that would explain an awful lot of the, what we get in the grocery stores right oh, now. It certainly would, because you can't transport a, a, a ripe strawberry. It won't last. Yeah. So would you tell us a little bit about your family? Absolutely. So um, we started out with two daughters, and we added a third when she was 16. She came to us. Um, so now we have three adult daughters, two of them who are married, and three wonderful grandchildren. A seven-year-old boy, a four-year-old girl who's going to have a birthday this coming weekend, and a little fifteen-year-old month, a month old. Oh my! <laughs> oh yeah. And and are grandchildren more fun than children? Oh, absolutely. As the saying goes, if I'd known how much fun they were, I would have had them first. Yes, unfortunately, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. <laughs> no, not quite. No, not yet. I I look forward to a granddaughter. I keep telling my daughter that uh, I expect one in about seventeen years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So with 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 being a grandmother and stuff now, looking back to when you were a kid, like what was the first time you were aware of money when you were a kid? Oh, um, I think probably around eight and nine. Um, when you're trying to wheedle mother, money out of your mother or father to help to let you go buy something at the candy stand in the grocery store. And then um, in a rural community where we grew up, there was um, a, um, what do you call it, an exhibition every fall, every summer. Yep. So mom and dad would pay us for weeding in the garden, ex little extra things that we would do. So we would, that would be our money that we would use to buy the things uh, that we wanted at the exhibition that was there for the week. And so we became very diligent at uh, pulling weeds and very anxious to help harvest eggs or whatever was needed because we collected all those precious nickels, dimes, and quarters. Fi financial motivation is a big thing with a lot of kids. <laughs> oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. that it's like, if you want money... This is what you're going to have to do to work for it. Yeah, my my daughter gets her allowance and she does fairly well, but she's she keeps out. She's very excited about being able to get a job, but she's not old enough yet. I told she she's even tried to go out and apply, and I'm going, sweetheart, like I I'm really proud of you, but you're not old enough. No one can legally hire you. Exactly. And I go, well, what do you want the money? Well, I want to get more into my LPS collection and stuff like that. And I'm going, okay, okay. So she's very much trying to figure out what are what are some extra things that she can do to earn money. And I'm going, well, mom's semi-annual filing is coming up, princess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Our girls, when they were old enough, and they would have been probably nine or ten, um, I helped them set up a lemonade stand. We had a house. We had a house in the corner, and uh, so they helped me bake the cookies. We mixed up the lemonade. We they built the stand with a little bit of help, and um, they figured out how much they needed to sell it for in order to make the profit. And um, and they probably did that all summer long, every couple of weekends. Oh my! See, I never had an opportunity to do anything like that when I was a kid, because well, we lived in the middle of nowhere, and they're not stopping on the highway. <laughs> No, no, they're not. 
No, the the girls, I don't know whether they saw one somewhere or what they did, but they kind of said, hey, can we do this? And I said, sure, what do you need? And so they sat down and made their list if they needed cups, if they wanted straws, how much lemonade they would need, would mommy please make the cookies, you know, things like that. And um, it almost became a little business plan for them. Like it was only a page, but for their young minds, it kind of got them around, okay, so this is what I have costs. Mommy's not giving us this stuff. We have costs if we're going to have our little lemonade stand. I I, I I love that because it's, it is a great way to learn. Like you say, well, it was only a business, only one page. But you know what? The best business plans, if you can't lay it out very simply in one page, like, yes, you can go into a lot more detail and stuff. But so many people overcomplicate things. Oh, very much. Overcomplicate it. Can you, can you spell it out to me on one simple page? Like, do a napkin plan. Do I get it? Does it make sense? Great. Then we can go into it more in depth. But if you can't make it make sense in one page, you ain't doing it right. No. No, that's for sure. The girls even had a marketing plan. They they went and got some Bristol board, put up some signs, and put them a couple blocks each direction down the street because we're just a little bit off the main street. Yeah. So they had their marketing out there. They I thought they were just going great guns. Uh, it was kind of nice because at that point they had already seen their parents kind of go through the process of building a business. And when you, I guess it was a good reminder for us when you think they're not listening, they really are. Oh, they pick up on things you never even imagined they could hear. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone understand or process. Oh, very, very much so. Like I see, I see that quite a bit with with my daughter. Like she has such a spitting image of me, especially when she starts opening her mouth at times. I'm going, oh man, is the world in for a lot of trouble as she gets older. <laughs> Well, I think it was a all of this was a really good base for our kids because they are all of them and actually their husbands and in one case boyfriend they're all self-employed they're all own businesses. Now that's quite spectacular because most people in, until they make it well into their thirties usually are employed. Yep. So. Now with having having your grandchildren, like yes, the, the fifteen month old isn't going to be paying too much attention, but you you've got a grandson in in, in primary school now. Yeah. What what are you able to notice being a grandmother and looking at how how your kids and and now your grandchildren are dealing with the subject of money? Well, when he said to his mother and father that he would like to have a little quad, uh, his mother said to him, "How are you going to get that?" And he said, well, you know what, Mom? Um, instead of everybody buying me presents for Christmas and birthday, how about they just give me cash? I can buy a little thing I want with that, and I can put the rest in my bank, and when I have enough, I'll be able to afford my own quad. <laughs> and does he know how much those are? Yes, he does. He has a number. He knows exactly how much it's going to cost for everything. And um, he's got a good head in his shoulders, this little guy. Uh Probably too smart for any of our good, but that's beside the point. But <laughs> no, yeah. that just that just forces you to be much more aware and become better yourself, dear. Oh yes, it definitely does. But yeah, that's his decision, and it's like um, he's surrounded by grandparents and aunts and uncles, and everybody's kind of went. Well, if that's what he wants to do, that's easy. Yeah. We all usually buy him a little something as well, but we'll give him cash, and he has been faithfully putting it away in his bank account. 
and keeping track of how much money he's got, all of that. He wants to know all of that. Well, that that's good. So how how much how much longer is it probably going to be before he can accomplish? Like that's a big goal. That's a very big goal. I don't know. His mom recently told me that he has quite a bit of money in there. Well, they they can sock it away. Like I, my my daughter's first big purchase that she did on her own was she wanted to upgrade her Nintendo DS to the 3DS. Mm -hmm. Santa provided the first one, but she wanted the next one. And I'm going, well, that's something that you're going to have to save for. And she kept, like, she pulled the money out of her jar and she counted. And she go, well, how much is it, Mom? And I have to pull it up on the uh, on on the Google, like, what is it going for and stuff. And then when, when we were able to take her in and she was so proud of herself to go get it. But I'm going, a, a mini quad is a slightly um, more expensive goal. <laughs> yeah. I suspect he won't be buying a new one. But um, that's fine. His parents are like us. Uh, actually, all of the kids are. I don't think, except for one, that they've bought any kind of a new vehicle, new boat. They don't have a lot of toys. But none of them seem to believe in buying anything new. They, they buy something that's affordable, that's in good shape, and they look after it. Well, why, sh why should you pay for all the depreciation if you get something that's been taken care of but a little bit older or that maybe somebody's outgrown it or whatever? It's mm -hmm. so much cheaper. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Well, it's good that, that he's learning that. And, and how is his sister reacting to all this? Because she's not that much younger than he is. No, she's four. Um, she's already starting to look at and say, okay, I'd like to have this. And that's that's nothing that her their mom has done is – They've said, okay, you've got all these toys, you've outgrown. So how about we have a yard sale? We'll sell the things that you're no longer playing with. You get to pick a couple of things that you really want to keep, mm -hmm. and you can sell the rest, and then you can buy the things that are more age-appropriate. So for both of those kids, kind of looking at what they've got and going, okay, I don't play with that, and I don't play with that, but I do want this new thing, it's made it really easy to keep the quantity of toys they've got down to a reasonable amount because they're willing to part with it because they have an end goal. Oh, I, lo I love that. I love that idea. I might mention something like that to my daughter, but one of the things, because I'm, I'm an anal retentive neat freak. <laughs> I do not like <laughs> clutter at all. So uh -huh. whenever we would be coming up to like when she'd be getting new presents and stuff like this, like, you know, Christmas and the birthday and stuff like that. I would make her go through and I'm going, well, this is the amount of space that you have. And if you're wanting to get new things or whatever, we have to get rid of some of this stuff that you're not doing anything with. And so we do that two or three times a year and I'd help her go through and sort. And now that she's old enough, she goes through and does it on her own. Yeah. <laughs> we just typically take it to the Salvation Army because mom doesn't want to keep it around long enough to stockpile enough to make a garage sale worth it. Yeah, well, they've uh, they've been managed to about a couple times a year take it to one of the local flea markets, wherever they are, or to have their own little garage sale. And um, but I think it's not so much that they're attached to things. I mean, they each have some special things they want to hang on to, but it's also basically made them aware. And it's like, well, if I'm not playing with it, I don't need it. They're the ones making the decision, so it's empowering them. To, to say, yes, I do, or no, I don't. Yeah, and I, I love that because they're learning to make those decisions and, and weigh the options of how it all works when they're young so that when they become adults, that's just second nature. They know how to make a choice. They know how to make a decision. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I don't think there's that emotional um, attachment to things in the sense that somebody took it away because they told me I was too big for it now, that type of thing. So there's not that need to have to have. Yeah, it's not the fight. Like you said, it's their choice. Yeah, exactly. And it also means that they're aware that if that new thing costs, well, it means that old thing has some value. And if I can get some value from that, I'm halfway to getting the new thing I want. So are you are you noticing that your grandchildren, like you said, your all all of your daughters are in entrepreneurial endeavors and things like that, and and, and you and Randy have been entrepreneurs for like forever in a day. Yeah. Are you are you noticing like questions and stuff that they're now asking and? Yeah, exactly. We've um we're going up there this weekend. We leave on Friday, and the kids have been counting the days. And um, but it was like they were told, well, between mom, uh, Nana and Papa's businesses, you know, they're, they've got this much time available, so they're able to come up. And so they're aware that we don't have jobs. We didn't have to ask anybody to leave. We didn't have to book holidays, but we do have clients to look after. Uh, but we're still able to say, OK, we're doing and making those decisions. And the kids kind of went, yeah, okay, well, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah. I guess because they really don't know, haven't experienced anything else. So it's just perfect natural for them. Yeah. It, it, it's it's teaching the balance. Like I've been, I've been self-employed since before my daughter was born. So I've never had to ask to take time off or can I go volunteer at her school? But I still have to work like around clients and I have stuff that has to be done and going, okay, well, we can't do this right now because we've got to get this done because I made a commitment. But at this time or this day, then we can go do those things. So it, it's not just, yeah, like you said, the awareness about the money, but it's the structuring of the time and, and how you still have responsibilities, but you can manage them yes. in a way that works best for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when the, our older daughter was... Um, doing she was going to the market because at what point in time our granddaughter was gluten sensitive so our daughter had was had made a lot of things and was taking them to the market so the kids went along with her they helped sell they helped tote things in they got to see that well mom's got to have this time that because she's got to get ready for the market so she's got things we have to do we're taking things to the market people are coming to the market and buying them and they thought that was cool. It's like, when, do, when we, can we to do, to do this? You know, when will we be old enough to go to the market to make things to sell, et cetera? Oh, thought, well, those are seeds you just, you got to sow. You just got to get those, that thought process going. That's just got to get you smiling like something fierce, doesn't it? Oh, oh, it does. It does. And to hear, like, I was talking to Angelica the other day and about something, and, and she had referred to going to work, so somebody asked her about a job, and, and she said, job? I don't have a job. I have several clients. I go to their offices. I do this. I do that. But I don't have a job. <laughs> and you can see the other person. It's almost like their head's got a tilt. Like, what? Yeah, it's a completely foreign concept to a lot of people. It is. It is. And, uh, and But I'm hoping we're getting back and more towards that with what we used to have where 
we knew the person that owned the business. We had a relationship with them. They, we we had that you know client customer thing. We weren't that big box idea, but never mind. That'll be <laughs> that's my soapbox, and I'm not going to climb on that. But to be able to say you know we developed those clients and we can solve a problem. We see an issue, we can make a business solving it. Yeah, I'm totally with you with that because there's been like so much through my life is there's been so much like layoffs and downsizes and and living in Alberta and being so much tied to oil and you're seeing all of these people laid off and it's not because they did anything wrong, it's because they had one source of income and it just dried up so they got pink slipped and they've been a lot of them have been through this two or three or four times now. Because yeah. it just every few years the different stuff. And so more people are going, do I want to be doing this anymore? Mm-hmm. And they're setting up the consulting businesses or, or the small shops. And they're, they're, they're doing more of the telecommuting and, and figuring out what actually works for their life. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's wonderful. But our school system has not taught that. Like over the last 60, 70 years, our school system has been all about training people to be employees, and that game just really doesn't exist the same way anymore. No, it doesn't. I mean, you think back to probably the 1900s, pre-industrial age, when everybody, I mean, there were people who worked for people, but there were also a lot of people, it was quite normal for somebody to have some sort of a shop or storefront. Yep. And... That's what you did. You grew up going into probably dad's business, but nonetheless, you grew into the family business. That's what you did. And, and then suddenly that just kind of went away. And the average person just couldn't figure out how to make that mind shift. And then we went into the whole, um, they'll look after us. <laughs> yeah. And how well has that worked out, dear? <laughs> yeah, not very well. Not at all. We haven't served anybody in of any race or uh, with that one. But and uh, so I'm hoping that things are reversing back. That you know, it's, it's sometimes when we're forced to do it, if it doesn't happen by natural inclination, then the powers that be kind of go. Uh, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah, and that that's what happens a lot. And one of the things that I that I'm seeing. In, in, in my generation and, and younger on how people have gotten totally disillusioned. They're going, well, I can't count on anybody to look after me. Like, unfortunately, um, back in the early 80s, my, my father-in-law, his company went under and they took his pension. They took everything. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just wrong. And people have seen so many of that happen to their parents or their aunts and uncles and stuff. And they're going, well, you know what? I don't want to deal with this anymore. So how, how can I become much more aware and look after myself a lot more? Because I can't count on the company or the government or anything anymore. So people are starting to get back into asking the questions that they need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh yeah. And, and a lot of them, you're looking going, I know that um, our daughter, our boyfriend, it's like he went to university. He spent a false fortune getting a degree that he's never as now going to use. He's self-employed doing something that has nothing whatever to do with that. And even with that, looking and say, okay, I don't think I want to be doing this forever. 
but what do I have, what do I want to do? And none of it has anything to do with working with any, for anybody else. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things I've, I've read numerous studies and stuff that says, like, my, my daughter and, and the ones that are slightly older, because my daughter's still in junior high now, but she can expect to do seven total and complete career changes in her life. And a lot of people, when, when our kids finish high school and stuff, and you ask them, well, what do you want to do? Well, they're, they're terrified because they're going, well, I don't know what I want to do for the next, like, 40, 50, 60 years. So what I'm teaching them is going, what, what interests you now? What do you want to do now? And then learn and pick up the skills that you can transfer to doing whatever you want. Like so many people, like you say, they go out and they get, they work really hard and they go into debt getting this, this degree that they never do anything with or only do something with for a while. And it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing, but they have to be figuring out, okay, well, what are the things that I learned while I was working on getting that degree or working in that field that I can now transfer and use somewhere else? Because there's so many business and life skills where it really doesn't matter where you land. You can take those skills and those abilities with you. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Nothing. I think anytime you learn anything, you develop a skill and knowledge, just the exercise in, in achieving that is a success. And you can build on that no matter what you do with it or around it. Totally and completely agree. Well, it has been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you for joining us. And I look forward to hearing more about the launch of your garden project. Oh, I am so excited for that. I'm just over the top with it. Every time I start thinking about it, I start vibrating all over again. Hey, but, well, that, that's, that's a good place to be. That is a I'm very sure good place to be. Well, have a wonderful day, and thank you once again. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated, and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fun, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit FinancialFun.ca.